So I don't know if I'm alone or not. Maybe it's just me. But the last few years, I have felt like it's been really hard to keep track of time. Timey-wimey. Like, like, what is going on? So I had to do a little bit of research to actually come up with this, like, um, trip down memory lane. I was, like, searching my records. Like, when did we start Gentle Regathering? Uh, turns out we started re- Gentle Regathering about a year ago in June. So back in June, Pastor Oshida and I introduced a roadmap for four main priorities that we were going to tackle over the next year. We started with expanding the journey groups, which were originally pairs and triads. Do you remember that? Journey groups were pairs and triads at one point uh, during the height of the pandemic. Kind of like we were all like social distancing and uh, in like pods together. And then so we expanded those into more like missional communities. Then, secondly, we focused on securing a new Sunday morning meeting location that would offer us classroom space um, and better storage, better parking, all kinds of good stuff. And that's why we're here. We're here at SPNN. Um, so, yeah, so we tackled uh, priority number two. We embarked upon, for our third priority, we embarked upon a momentous discernment process. Remember that? We, we did story and song for like seven weeks, and we did classes on Moravian history and theology. Um, there was a syllabus with all kinds of articles and podcasts and videos. And on, on February 26th, we tallied the votes. It was unanimous. We voted to join the Moravian church. Woo! Yeah. And then in April, members signed an official charter and became charter members And then Pastor Rashid and I were installed as the pastoral team of Roots. This means that we have completed three of the four priorities that we set out to do, which is amazing. I'm really proud of us. I'm really proud of us, and I'm really honored to be one of your pastors. This is like an exciting time in the life of our church. This leads us to priority number four, the stewardship campaign that we have named Rooted and Established. This new institutional identity that we have as Roots Moravian Church, it provides us with the opportunity to re-envision what stewardship of this community means for us. What are the rhythms and practices that connect us to one another deeply, which provide for one another? And as Pastor Rashida and I have been praying about this stewardship campaign, the passage that keeps coming to mind for us over and over again is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians, in, in Ephesus. Paul's prayer for them that they would be rooted and established in love. So we've been praying that for our church, for you all. And Paul was praying that the Jesus disciples in Ephesus would become stewards of their community. So that's what we've been praying for, that we would become stewards of one another. Throughout this series, we're going to be exploring questions like this. One of the questions is, what does it look like to be intentional about our hospitality as a church? What does that look like? We're going to be asking the question, what does it look like to be committed to one another and to our community financially? And we're going to be asking the question, what does it look like to serve one another on what we're calling branches? Get it? Branches? Part of our like roots metaphor as a part of our living organism. So in a moment, we're going to read that passage once again, the one from Ephesians chapter 3. Um, but before we read that passage and take a, take a deeper look at it, I want to do two things. 
The first thing I want to do is some ground clearing because I know this much about this community. I know that many of us have felt like we were misfits in other Christian spaces. I know many of us have scars or still some wounds from other communities. But I know I do. I have some scars and I feel a little bit disenfranchised from the broader Christian church. So that, that's part of what makes Roots unique and special. We're like a refuge. We're like a place of healing for a lot of people who have come through this church who have had negative experiences in other places. So when I hear the words stewardship campaign, I get a little bit anxious. My hackles get raised a little bit because I have been a part of churches where a stewardship campaign meant that we were building a new building. And it was like, a, it was like an auditorium that's going to see thousands of people. And it was this building project, right? Or I've been a part of churches where a stewardship campaign just felt like a lot of guilt and a lot of like, like emotional manipulation. So I want to do a little ground clearing and just reassure you that that's not what we're going to do. That's not what this is about. What we want to talk about in this series is how we take ownership of one another and this refuge community that we call Roots so that we can continue to live out our mission and vision as Jesus' disciples. As part of this, we're going to talk about financial commitments, but that's not the whole of it, nor is that the primary focus. The primary focus of our, of our stewardship campaign is our commitment to one another, to participation in community, to loving one another as spiritual siblings. Can I get an amen about that? Amen. amen. So with that established, let's pray for the Spirit's work of illumination before we take a deeper look into the passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the one, the one who knits our hearts together as spiritual siblings in Christ. And I thank you that you are the one that calls us into a new kind of community together, a spiritual family that's inclusive of all people and puts on display the glorious power of Jesus's right side up kingdom. Thank you, Spirit of God, for moving among us, uniting us to Christ and uniting us to one another. Today, we ask that you would do your work of illumination once again. Would you open our, our hearts and our minds to understand what it is that you would have us do? Would you speak clearly to us Show us how you are calling each one of us to show up for each other and to commit to being part of this spiritual family. May the word be like a seed that finds good soil. May it take up root and bear good fruit, fruit that will last. May the words of my lips and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So as always, I'm going to remind you that if you have your own translation of the Bible, you can turn in it uh, to Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. I'm going to read from the NIV, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his, rich, his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 So you probably already know that this prayer was recorded in the book that we call Ephesians and is attributed to Saul of Tarsus, better known as the Apostle Paul, right? Everybody knows that. But what we often skip over is the connection that this passage has to Paul's life. Paul spent a lot of time in the city of Ephesus, more time than perhaps he spent in a lot of the other cities where he planted churches. Just a, re, re, uh, just a reminder, Paul was very zealous for God, so zealous that he was willing to use violence to persecute followers of the Jesus way. And of course, he was struck blind by a bright light that changed his world, changed his life, knocked him off his proverbial high horse, you could say, and enlisted him in this mission birthing new Jesus communities all over the Mediterranean. But what we find in the book of Acts is that when Paul gets to Ephesus, he settles down roots for a little while. It says in Acts that he had daily discussions in a lecture hall in Ephesus for two years. That's longer than he spent in most cities that he planted churches in. This is almost like Paul like set up a school, almost like a philosopher, like come to my lecture hall And let's discuss the Messiah, Jesus. But Paul's preaching and his signs there, they threatened the establishment in Ephesus. Do you know what happened in Ephesus? There was a riot in Ephesus because of Paul and the preaching of the new kingdom of Jesus. What happened was, in Ephesus was one of the great ancient wonders of the world. You know how there's eight wonders of the ancient world? One of them was in Ephesus. It was the temple of Artemis. And people would come from all over the world to see this amazing temple. And of course, an industry rose up around the temple and there was many idol makers who got their livelihood from selling idols to travelers, pilgrims. And when people kept turning from idols to the living God, well, there goes your idol making business, right? So they were a little perturbed at Paul, and they, they brought him up on charges. Actually, a mob uh, rushed him into the amphitheater, and they shouted for hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Right? Kind of like, make America great again! Just saying. Um, so we come to this letter right now in Ephesians chapter 3, many years later. Now Paul has planted other churches and he's writing back to the church in Ephesus. And he's telling them, we get this little glimpse, he's telling them, this is what I pray for you. And when we get these little glimpses into Paul's pastoral heart, I think these are really important. Paul's pastoral heart for the Ephesians was that they would understand the love of God. The depths, the links, the widths, the heights of the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And that sounds beautiful. 
for a very long time, I read this passage and I interpreted this passage very abstractly. Like, isn't this nice? Isn't it wonderful to contemplate the love of God? Mm, it's wide and it's, it's tall and it's deep or whatever, right? It's, it sounds very abstract. But do you know that Paul's not talking about anything abstract here? Paul is talking about something very, very practical. How do I know? Because of context. <laughs> right after this seemingly abstract flourish about love, Paul goes on to say this. As a prisoner for the Lord, he's in jail. He's like, he's in jail. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Paul is talking about, ooh, Paul is talking about the church. Paul is talking about this community of Christ that is being forged in Ephesus. He's not talking about something abstract. When he says love, I want you to know love, he means loving each other. He says it plainly. He says right here, he says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. This isn't abstract. It's hard sometimes to bear with one another in love, isn't it? Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. This is practical. The love that he's talking about, I'm going I'm to call it something different. I'm going to call it stewardship. That's the word I'm going to call it. What Paul is talking about is when we take responsibility for one another in community. It's when we love each other in real, tangible, practical ways. When we work through conflict, when we serve one another, when we show up for one another, when we encourage one another, when we bear with one another's weaknesses and love each other through that, that's what Paul is talking about. That's stewardship. Stewardship doesn't just mean money management. Stewardship means responsibility, care, provision. It means tending to someone or something like a gardener, tilling the soil, watering the plants, pruning away dead limbs. It means watching over something and protecting it, facilitating its thriving. Paul is telling the Jesus disciples in Ephesus to be stewards of one another. In fact, this idea of stewardship runs all throughout the Bible from page one. Page one of the Bible, God gives humanity the earth, creation. And what does God do? God calls humanity to be stewards of creation. I like what N.T. Wright says. N.T. Wright says that we are called to be vice regents, representatives of God on earth. We're called to be co-rulers on God's behalf of this earth. He says, we're to gather up the praises of creation and give them back to God. That's our calling as stewards of creation. But then God goes on to call humanity to be stewards of one another. Remember, Adam and Eve were given to one another. And Adam says of Eve, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. 
They're called to be stewards of one another. Then God blesses humanity and calls them to be fruitful and multiply. This is what scholars call the cultural mandate. Go and do something with the resources of this earth. Harness them and co-create alongside God a culture. Become many creators with a lowercase c alongside God. Creating culture everywhere you go. We've been called to steward creation. We've been called to steward community. And we've been called to steward culture. And we've been called to form a new kind of family. You're going to hear me say that a lot because that's kind of my swan song, right? Like, we're called to create a new kind of family based not on genetics, but based on allegiance to Jesus. This, that's why I love this quote. I know it's a little bit long, but this quote is rich, and I just love it. So let me read this quote to you because I think it encapsulates so much of what I want to say. Willie, Dr. Willie James Jennings is brilliant, and this is one of his best, the best things I've read by him is uh, his, his commentary on Acts. This is what Willie James Jennings says about the church in Acts. Imagine a people, imagine a people defined by their cultural difference, yet who turned their histories and their cultural logics towards a new determination, a new social performance of identity. In so doing, they enfold the old cultural logics and practices inside the new ones of others. And they enfold the cultural logics and practices of others inside their own. This mutual enfolding promises cultural continuity measured only by the desire of belonging. Thus, the words and the ways of one people join those of another and another, each born anew in a community seeking to love and honor those in its midst. The new people formed in this space imagine the world differently beyond the antagonistic vision of nations and towards the possibility of love and kinship. That is exactly what we're doing here. That's why we exist. That's why Roots exists. We are a new people rooted in Christ, a community of misfits finding identity in Jesus. The only reason why we exist is because God has called us into this process of mutual enfolding towards the possibility of a new kind of kinship, a new kind of family. To do this, We're called to be stewards. Stewards in at least three ways. We're called to steward the resources that God has entrusted to us, our time, our treasure, our talents. We're called to be stewards of our relationships with one another and this community. And we're called to be stewards of the culture that we create together. Roots is something precious. It's something unique. I've been a part of a lot of churches. I've never been a part of a church like Roots. I'm, I'm proud of this community. I'm proud to serve this community. And I want to see it continue. I want to see it thrive. We have been charged with stewarding this precious gift that God has given us. And that's why for the next several weeks, we want to explore what it looks like to be stewards of this precious gift. We're going to talk about 
three things. We've, we've come up with three sort of categories. One of those categories we're calling intentional hospitality. We are, we are a friendly church. You know what people say about us? They say, that's a friendly church. We're very welcoming and warm, but we're not always very intentional about our hospitality. We don't always do follow-up well, and I'm talking about myself. We don't always know how to integrate people into our community well. We could do better at that. So intentional hospitality is one category. Financial commitment is another. I know that money is tricky and money is sticky. I get that. But that's part of being a community together. It's a necessary part. And then lastly, we're going to talk about what we're calling serve branches or uh, living branches is another way we're calling it. And these are, these are uh, groups or, if you will, teams that will serve one another in how we pull off this gathering on Sundays. Does that make sense? So I've asked Pastor Oshida to pass out what I'm calling a one-pager. If you can get it all on one page, it's good, right? Because nobody wants to read multiple pages over and over. Nobody will. Yeah, nobody will. So we've got everything on one page. We've got a description of this stewardship campaign, this stewardship series that we're calling Rooted and Established. And then below that, we've got two sort of sections that you can take home and pray about. I'm going to invite you to take home and pray about, okay? One of the sections is about those living branches. We've got six on there. There could be room for more, but we're going to start with six. And the six are, if I remember correctly, tech branch, online branch, setup branch, kids branch, sprouts branch, hospitality branch, and, and music branch. There we go. So I'm going to ask you to prayerfully go home and consider where God is calling you and where your gifts make room for you in this community to serve. Okay, that's step one. Step two at the bottom is a financial pledge card. We're, we're, we're in this series for four weeks. So you have four weeks to prayerfully consider your financial commitment to this community. So I'm going to ask you to bring that back, the part that has the little dotted line where you cut it with scissors. Bring that back in four weeks and we'll be ready to, uh, to share our commitments with one another. To close, I just want to hearken back to um, something that I learned from The Secret Life of Trees. So you watch that explainer video, right? That's from a book called The Secret Life of Trees. What really fascinated me about The Secret Life of Trees is the part about the roots underneath the soil. So much is going on beneath the surface that is, is imperceptible to the naked eye, right? Like, like the explainer video said, nutrients and, co and communication, information is being transmitted through the root system, through the fungi in the ground beneath the trees. And what this creates, as you, as you saw in the video, what this creates is this creates a community, an interconnected, interdependent community of roots, of trees. I think this is the perfect metaphor for what we want to create here. We want to be interconnected. We want to be interdependent. We want to rely on one another and share and provide for one another. So, you know, I made this graphic before I even knew about the interconnectedness of the roots. But it does kind of illustrate that, doesn't it? They, they kind of interlock a little bit. So... This is, this is kind of a picture of what we're, we're striving for in this series. 
to be stewards of one another, to be interconnected and interdependent. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for this community. Sometimes I wonder if it weren't for Roots, would I even be at church? Sometimes I wonder if it weren't for Roots, would I, would I still believe in the concept of church? Roots has convinced me that you are still at work creating community among misfits, calling misfits to yourself, forging a new kind of family, making us spiritual siblings, stewards of one another. So I pray that in this stewardship series that you would be knitting our hearts together once again, drawing us closer to you, drawing us closer to one another, giving us a vision of what this place can be for others as we invite more and more to be enfolded into that mutual enfolding that is taking place here. Another and another, as Dr. Jennings said. Would you, Holy Spirit, be speaking to us, leading us, guiding us, prompting us in how we can be stewards of one another? We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.